about what we do as an association. Uh, I've been serving as your executive director or director of missions, or my favorite title is associational missionary. And uh, that, uh, that is the, the name that the, the oldest of our, uh, our Baptist members kind of refer to me as, and I hope there's a, 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 a revitalization of that name. That's my, that's my favorite. In our Austin Association, which takes in everything south of Round Rock, Butikyle to the south, Smithville to the east, and Henley, which is just beyond Dripping Springs to the west, there's over 220 Southern Baptist churches in that area. Uh, currently, this year, we have 16 new missions, and we as an association do three things. We are tasked with strengthening existing churches, and so as I have relationship with pastors and leaders in churches, if there's something that you need help with in terms of programs or ministries, we come alongside that. Secondly, we plant new churches, and then thirdly, we partner with the larger body of Christ uh, across the city, evangelicals, for the purpose of reaching Austin with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you it's an exciting job, an exciting opportunity. Wish I could get around to all the churches more uh, than I do, but uh, I'm excited about what God is doing here. So thankful for the prayer ministry, and I see in your, in your bulletin there that you've got prayer tonight. And so uh, I, I think that's vital in terms of the, the health and the strength of the church. I love the fact that the, uh, the pastor sends out to you a note on the passage that we're going to be dealing with over the, the course of Sunday, and it's highly unusual, but I like it, so don't, don't get me wrong there, that uh, they read the leading up portion to the text that we're going to be looking at, because it does, it helps you with context. So I'm going to be, in just a minute, reading for you the, uh, the passage that we're going to be dealing with, but I want to give you the background. So there's this evil king, his name is Ahab, and he's got a wife by the name of Jezebel. You probably heard more about her than you have about him. Uh, not the nicest of ladies. And in fact, uh, just in fact, later on in the story, puts quite fear in Elijah himself. But Elijah is God's prophet. He's God's spokesman. They don't have a written scripture. And so God would speak to the prophet, and then the prophet would deliver the news. Now, you can imagine if the prophet is delivering bad news, uh, that's not well received. So Elijah goes to Ahab and Jezebel and says, because of your sin and your evil deeds, what we're going to do is God's going to withhold rain for three years and six months. God then tells Elijah that he's to head out to a specific brook, and God feeds him by ravens. The ravens bring him bread and meat morning and night until the the stream, the, the creek, the, uh, the area where he's staying is dried up because of the drought. And that's where we find this passage. Because now God's got to do something with Elijah. Elijah needs to be taken care of and so enters into the story this widow of Zarephath. And uh, so if you will, in honor of God's word, would you stand with me as we read uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, him being Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. 
And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And after make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. Let me allow us and lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We stand in honor of that word. And God, we stand signifying that, Father, we will be obedient as to what you speak to us from this passage. Father, I admit that it is not within me to fully and completely, God, to dissect the truth of this passage, but we pray that your spirit might bear witness with our spirit, and God, teach us what we should do. For, Father, we can't come into contact with your holy word We can't come into your presence, into your holy presence, and walk away the same. So, God, guide us and direct us, and may we, God, complete the work of Scripture in terms of hearing it and doing it. So, guide us, Father, in your name I pray. Amen. Now, in the news that you got about the passage of Scripture, typically you have a title there, and somehow in all the texts that I get, I didn't see that from Samuel, so I didn't get you a title. And this morning, I thought, you know, when these folks find out that I'm going to be talking about giving, first of all, they're going to say, man, that sounds like a Baptist guy preaching on giving. But then secondly, he's doing a bait and switch. If he would have put about giving, I would have done something else. So I assure you that was not the case. I just missed the text and uh, didn't respond back to Samuel. But as you read earlier in the service about the gospel and what it meant, do you know that giving is really at the heart and the essence of the gospel? John 3.16, probably one of the simplest verses if you were to give a gospel presentation to someone. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when we talk about giving, I don't think that we need to shirk from that. I don't need, think that we need to be nervous from that, but I think we need to step into that. Now, you'll be happy to know that I'm not preaching a tithing sermon. We're not looking to raise a lot of money to build a lot of buildings. And uh, we're just talking about giving what God has given to us. In that verse that I shared with you earlier, God gave His only Son. There was no money involved, but something very significant and precious. And in the story of this lady, she makes a very significant gift based on God's command to her. But when you begin to break down the story, it just has all kinds of nuances of, of, wow, what are the implications? What's the application for me in my life? The lady and her son are collecting sticks to make one last meal 
and they're going to die. And God's picked her. God's picked her to be the one that gives to Elijah. And I so love stories like this because if I were in charge of Elijah, I'd find somebody very wealthy with a big house and all kinds of extra stuff and send Elijah there because, man, they got plenty to give. But that's not always how God wants to work. Now, in your order of service, there are, there are spots for you to take some notes. And all of my points this morning begin with the letter O, okay? And I'm not trying to do this alliteration thing, but after I got three or four into it, it all worked out to O. And so you'll have to figure out which of the points that I stretch to make an O work there. But I think you'll remember it. And hopefully you don't walk out of here and say, oh my goodness, what happened to me this morning there? O number one, her opportunity. Folks, when we think about giving, a lot of times we think about giving as not an opportunity, not as a joy, but something that we're obliged to do. Now let me tell you something. When you give to your family or your friends or to church or the things that you love, there's not an obligation in that. There's an opportunity and there's a joy. My daughter Bethany is a sophomore at Baylor University and I'm telling you that woman can work her debit card like nobody I've seen. But when she calls me or texts me and says, Dad, I need a little money. I love putting a little money in there for her. Now, when April rolls around and I write that check to the IRS, I'm not as yippy-skippy happy about writing that, and I would, I would put that into kind of that obligatory kind of an area there. But I think when we give in the kingdom of God, there ought to be a joy in that, and we ought to see the opportunity. We ought to see the opportunity that God has given us to share back with Him what He has given us. My brother has now moved to Austin. He and his wife are working uh, the soup kitchen with Frank Deutsch. And it is fun to have him in town. And we, as older guys now, began to remind ourselves of stories when we were growing up. And I remember on one occasion, we as a family went to McDonald's. Now, I'm telling you, for all you younger folks, I know, you know, you look at McDonald's and say that's not the healthiest. But when I was a kid, that was the only place. And man, when we went there, we thought it was the coup d'etat. It was the thing. In fact, we dubbed it the Baptist Steakhouse. We thought it was that, that good stuff. And I can remember on occasion my father getting everybody's order and bringing back everything to the table and passing it all out. And somehow we were one fry short. And I don't know whether it was Mark or myself. We'll just put it on Mark because he's not here. And my father, because being the dad, did without the fries, but he reached over to grab one of Mark's fries. And Mark says, what are you, that's my fries. You can't have my fries. And I'm so thankful that I didn't have the dad that says, listen, I'll tell you whose fry those are. I made the money that bought the gas, that bought the car that drove you here to eat those fries. Those are not your fries. Those are my fries. And as I was thinking about that story, you know what? Everything that we have, they're God's fries. And I don't mean in any way to make light of that. But, but when we give, we're not giving stuff that we made ourselves. We're be giving back to God what God has given to us. So with that as a lead-in, let me talk to you about the opportunity that God had given to this lady and how extraordinary it is. In verses number 8 and 9, it says, Then the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to him, 
Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, unless I would tell you this, you wouldn't know that Zarephath and Sidon are not Jewish areas. This is not an area inhabited by God's chosen people. God is going to ask a lady that's not even a follower of the Jewish tradition, as best we can tell, to minister to this guy. What an amazing opportunity. In Luke chapter 4, you can check this up on me later on, verses 25 and 26, it says these words, But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. So what I get from this story is, there are times in our life when God is sending people our ways or giving us opportunities that are unique to us. And the question is, will you and I, in Christ-like character who gave His only Son, would we be willing to step into the opportunity, would we be willing to step in the opportunity to, to give as God would have us to? Thankfully, I am married to an amazing giving wife. Now, of recent days, my suits have been uh, getting a little tighter, so she's been getting them bigger, and eventually she's been telling me, we just need to exercise a little more, which is code word for you need to exercise more because she's in much better shape than I am. So she has gotten us memberships that we can work out together, and uh, she is so very faithful. She goes even when I don't go. And uh, I told her after this particular incident I would never miss again, but she showed up, and my wife is such a giver that a lady came in, had a difficult situation. My wife broke her training regimen, went to visit with this lady, and ministered to her needs. She said, I just felt like God was telling me to give to this lady. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before. And I, so, just thinking out loud, I said, but babe, you don't typically take your purse with you. She said, this is no problem. I went to the bank and I drew out some money. So I'm a little nervous because I got two kids in college. My son just got married. I got a house mortgage. All these reasons why I couldn't give. And she said, are you, is that, are you upset with about that? Well, I mean, what am I going to say? No, I think you shouldn't have done it. No. I said, baby, if God told you to give, then I think that was, you know, that was extraordinary. Now, what's amazing about it, a lot of times when we give and stories like that, we're thinking to ourselves, wow, I wonder what happened to that. Never seen the lady again. Have no idea. But at that moment and at that time, that was what Julie was felt of God that she, she needed to do. So God gives this lady an opportunity, and Elijah is told that he's to go to Zarephath and he's to meet the lady. Now, we don't know what it is that he's going to, to say or what she's going to say or what she's going to do that's going to help him to realize that she's the woman. I mean, I'm sure that they're not the only two people that are hanging out in Zarephath. But I have a feeling from other situations that we read in Scripture in Genesis 24, Rebekah is, uh, is watering camels and uh, Abraham's servants there. He's looking for a wife for, uh, for Isaac, and he's looking for a camel-watering woman. That would probably not be my characteristic, top characteristic, looking for a wife waters camels. I don't know about you. That would probably not be the highest thing on there. But a servant heart was probably what they were looking for. And so I have this feeling, just a feeling, that Elijah gets to Zarephath, he is asking, and this woman is fulfilling her obligation. Because in the Middle East, you always offered a cup of water or 
you know, an opportunity for drink. And so what she would do is she would step into that obligation. And as she's doing this obligation is when the big ass comes. Verse number 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of, city, of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Point number two, O number two, obligation. Her obligation was to provide, provide water for someone else. So as she was going, verse number 11, as she was going to bring it, and this is why I think this was the key for him, as she was going to bring it, that was the indication that this is the widow that he's to develop this relationship with. He called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So he knows that this is the woman. He's going to ask this. And in verse number 12, we have the third point, her openness. And by her openness, she is going to respond back to Elijah and his request. And she's going to tell him, listen, let me tell you just how dire straits that I'm in. But as she is open before him and before God, she's just telling him, and I want to just highlight the fact that when we come to God, sometimes when we feel that we can't give, God's okay with us in this conversation to say, you know, God, I don't know that I can, I can do this, or, you know, there's a hesitancy there. Verse number 12. And she said, as the Lord your God lives. Whoa. Wait a minute. This isn't her God. She's going to give, she's going to step out in faith, and she doesn't even have a relationship with this God that Elijah does, but at her core, at her heart, is a desire to give. And what it captures me, if, if I'm a Christ follower, I should exceed anybody else, especially those that are not of Christ's family in giving. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little jug of oil, and now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something of yourself and your son. And I think the key to giving, the heart of giving, the key to stewardship, if you want to use those words, is that little word first. I think God is pleased greatly when we don't practice residual giving, which means giving God our leftovers. We give him our leftover money if we have some at the end of the month. We give him our leftover time sometimes if we can fit it in, and sometimes we give him our leftover talents if we've got enough effort to be able to do it. I think probably one of the most significant ways in which I learned of this was when I was in Dripping Springs. There was a businessman that I developed a relationship with. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, very much in attendance of your church because of some family situations, some health situations, but I want to let you know that I'm, I'm going to financially contribute to the church. Well, as a pastor, you're pretty happy about that. that thank you very much. Pretty significant kind of thing. And he said, I know the Bible asks you to give, but you know what? I've just found it's a good business practice. And I said, well, where did you learn that? He said, well, growing up, my dad said this. He said, God, you know, God owns at least or is owed at least 10%, you know, of all that I have. And he said, and then I make offerings above that. And since that time, even in the 17 years that I've served as the, as the association, you know, he's called up over a period of time and he'll say, you know what, God's allowed me to, to make some money. I want to send you some money to be able to help with this or that. In fact, he's made great contributions to Emmanuel Seminary 
in, uh, and uh, Emmanuel University in Oradia, Romania. So she's open to God, and then number four, God's offer to her. God's offer to her. Now, Elijah is speaking, but this is God's offer. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. This is under whose authority, and this is what God offers you. The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now, I have... I have dialogued with brothers and pastors and, and, and brothers and sisters in Christ about this passage and said, man, if God do something for me like that, shoot, I'd step right into that. But folks, hasn't God already given us that promise in Philippians 4.19? And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And God makes the offer to her before she gives before she even goes to prepare, plain and simply God's saying, if you trust me, then I'm going to provide for you. And God's made the same promise for us. And so when we step out and we give, I think we honor God who promises that we're not going to be in one for that. The, five, the fifth O is her obedience. Verse 15, and she went and did as Elijah said. The widow took God and Elijah at their word and did what she was asked. She obeyed the promise before the production. She brings back this, this bread, feeds him, and finally, number six, her overflow. Starting in verse 15, the second half, and she and he and her household, meaning she and he and Elijah, ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty because uh, excuse me, empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. For a lady who's not even, to the best of our knowledge, of God's tribe, and I believe as followers of Christ, we need to be givers that give out of joyful hearts. And rather than telling God all the things that we don't have and the reasons that we can't give, to step into it. Now you ask, you say, Dave, you, we haven't seen you in a long time. You're standing, you're here on this particular sun, Sunday. Why are you speaking about this? About 15 years ago at the association, we had finished what we have as an annual meeting. And it was one of those days that was just a great day. Everything clicked. The financial report was great. The, the board of directors were pleased. All the churches were pleased. And it was kind of just one of those days I'd been praying that everything would go well. And I'm, uh, I'm about to head home. And so I called Julie. Hey, how was your day? She's a school teacher, so I had to wait till she got done with school. And I said, man, it was great. It was awesome. She said, oh, I'm so excited. I made your favorite dinner. Come home. I said, I'll be right there. I got to lock everything up, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll be right there. And I walk out the back of our office, and Samuel will know the configuration of our office by the copy machine out the back door. And there's a homeless guy standing in the middle of Harmon Avenue with a can of government-issued chicken. Didn't even know chicken came in a can. And he said, do you have a can opener? Now, I'm sorry. And I looked at him, and I said, yeah, I can open your can. But I'll be honest with you, there was no joy in that. This guy was about to mess up my day. 
I was going to be a few minutes late and I couldn't do what I needed to do. I walk in the back of my office. I'm standing there right as I'm coming through the door. And if, if anybody would have said, wow, you've heard God speak, I sensed God speaking, and here's what God said. Dave, you think you had a great day, but if you missed this, the whole day is a waste. I turn around, and I'm crying. God speaks to you that clearly. It's pretty overwhelming. And the poor homeless guy, he thinks he's now connected to a nut job because this guy... This guy is now crying. And I told him, I said, I need to ask you to forgive me. Because you gave me an opportunity to give. And I just about missed it. I said, what's sad is, we had lunch, and I said, I'm sure that we've got some leftover food. So you don't have to kick me too hard before I get it. And I said, so I want you to go find all of your homeless friends. Tell them to come to the ABA. I'm cooking dinner, which means code for I'm going to microwave what we got here. I'm not, a, I'm not a good cook at all. And on that day, the Lord changed my heart and passion toward homeless people. And they're not homeless people. They have names. And God has, you know, really given me a heart to pray with them and to get to know them and lead them to Jesus Christ, as messy and as sometimes weird as that is. But as I was praying about what to share, maybe, maybe God has approached you with the opportunity to give. Don't miss out on the opportunity. And don't do the, I got a couple of kids in college and I got a mortgage and I got car payments and this kind of thing. If God's leading you to do that, folks, God is going to give grace. God is going to give the surplus. God is going to step into that. And I'm not here to say just give it and God's going to give you a million dollars. If you heard that, you've, you're not hearing what I'm saying. But I think the essence of the gospel is that God gave his only son, Jesus, and when we accept that, that gift of Jesus and his sacrifice for us, our, our lives are changed. And we become Christ-like, and the character of Christ is giving, and the character of who we are ought to be giving. And I never want to be, I never want to be in a situation where I sense an opportunity to give from God. And I don't know what that means for you individually. Whether this next week or maybe there's been something in the past that God has brought your way. But I can tell you when you step into the opportunity to give, it is such a joy-filled opportunity. God talks about that he loves a cheerful giver. Those linguists that describe what those words actually mean, say that God loves a hilarious giver. God loves when you give over and above and beyond. And I think as Christians, one of the greatest opportunities to share the gospel is to give. One of my homeless guys two days ago showed up. His name's Wesley. Pray for Wesley. He's bipolar. And he's 
periodically taking his bipolar medicine and other substances, which is not a good mix. And he showed up and he says, I need some shoes. The shoes I have are too tight. And he pulled off his shoes and his feet were red because they were wet and they were white. You know how that gets. And his feet were all crunched up. And I said, man, let me give you some shoes. I gave him a, a pair of shoes. He walked by the office yesterday when I was over there. He goes, I've been telling everybody I'm wearing Dave Smith's shoes. <laughs> I said, man, and, and I thought to myself, I, I could not get more joy out of wearing my own shoes than seeing somebody else. So, folks, this morning my invitation is to you. Giving is the gospel. It's a, it's a characteristic of who God is. Allow God to speak through you and to use you to be a giver to others. And when you do that, it will be for his glory and your good. Father, I thank you for the story of this widow of Zarephath. And God, I, I confess before you, God, that that memory of Michael and the can of chicken still gets me choked up. God, I don't ever want to be I don't ever want to be like that again. But God, maybe this morning there's some of us here that our giving is very close to home, to our spouse or to our kids. Maybe it's to our neighbors. Maybe it's to somebody else. But God, I believe that when we give, ultimately we receive even greater than what we give. So God, you guide us. And you direct us. And God, if only you know what it is that we give, God, so much the better. Because we're not looking for the praise of men. We're looking to honor our Lord and our Savior and our Father. So God, show us how to respond. In your name I pray. Amen.